Welcome to Los Compas Lounge, a PSA for brown men. We are your host. I am Raul. Yes, Javier. And this is Ruben. And this is Los Compas Lounge, a podcast by three Chicanos from East L.A. talking about issues that matter to you. We're here to inspire positive change. So have a seat, compa. We have one ready for you here at the lounge. Hello and welcome to Los Compas Lounge. This is Javier and today I gave Ruben and Raul the day off. <laughs> now I just um, decided to do a solo recording so that this way they could, well, yeah, take the day off. Spend time with their families. There are different dimensions of me that people from different social circles know me by. So today I'm going to be the geek. For the purposes of this podcast, today I will be Javier the Geek, the techno guru. Today I will share the computer side of me. So you go to a website, let's say Best Buy or Fry's, even though they don't exist anymore. So we'll go with Micro Center or Newegg or any any computer site, and you or even in the newspaper, and you get to the specs section, and you see storage space, RAM, CPU, GPU, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and it's kind of hard to understand what those mean. So I will try my hardest to explain those components in simple terms that anyone could understand. So let's start with the storage. It's usually, nowadays, it's measured in terabytes a lot, but you could also have gigabytes and there's nothing in storage now that you can buy that will be megabytes because that's way too small for anything nowadays. So you could think of storage space as a file cabinet. You know, the more file cabinets you have, the more files you can store. Files, folders, um, that's what storage space is. And the way it's measured in is gigabytes. So just know that a thousand gigabytes is one terabyte. So when you say, when you see 500 gigabytes, that's half a terabyte or 250 gigabytes. Now, <clears throat> along with storage, we'll get into this later, but just know that there's two types of storage most, mostly right now. It's, there's solid state drives, which are SSD, and your HDD, which is a hard disk drive. The solid state drives are a little bit more expensive, but the significance in the speed is like day and night. I mean, you can notice the difference between a solid state drive and a traditional hard disk drive right away, especially on the shutdown and actually, and the restart, or when you open up a new file, a new program, you'll notice when you have a solid state drive that it opens up a lot faster. So those are the components 
I mean, that's in a nutshell the description of storage space when you see on a computer. Just think of storage space as a file cabinet. And I guess you could consider, you could look at um, solid state drive SSD versus HHD as I'm just, just, um, just so that this way you could visualize it. An SSD is a well-oiled um, drawers that right when you open them up, they open up smooth and you're easily able to access the files that you need right away. And a H HDD, the hard disk drive, those are, just think a bit, sometimes, you know, you open drawers, it's a little bit clunky, you need to play with it a little bit. It still stores a lot, but also here's the thing, storage HH, HDD, is a lot cheaper it's a lot cheaper and so that's where you have to weigh one versus the other one and i could explain i'll explain more um later as to why you would choose one versus the other let's get to the next component the ram that's random access memory Think of RAM like a desktop. I mean, and I don't mean a desktop as in a computer desktop. I mean an actual physical desk. So if you have a small desk, you could only process so much work at a limited speed. But if you have a big desk, you could put all kinds of papers. Let's say that you're in the office and you have a big desk. You could put, make up kinds of little piles. Like in this one, I'm going to deal with this case. And this other one, I'm going to deal with this other case, this other issue. You could put a bunch of stacks of paper throughout your desk. And the bigger your desk, the more things you could process at the same time. So let's say you have an inbox, you have a processing box, you have a, a issues box, you have on hold box. So you have all these little... Um, boxes throughout your desk but if you have a small if you have a small desk you could only process one of those box one of those inboxes at a time and so that's why the RAM is important also let's get to the CPU the CPU is a central processing unit and that's basically how fast the processor could process work, assignments, tasks. So, and for this, the only way that I could explain it is, you know, there are different people that process math at different speeds. You know, I'm going to take math as an example because computers, that's all they really do is do calculations and computations. And so if you have a person that's really good at math and one that is not as good as math, the person that's really good at math, if you give them, uh, let's say, a big um, a, a, a workbook, a math workbook, and you say, okay, let's see who finishes it faster. It's not a race. I mean, I'm just using this example. And you give them, I don't know, a lot of papers of math. And so it's just how fast, it's just how fast the person could process it. 
or in this case, the CPU. It, the faster the, the, then that's measured in gigahertz. And so the faster it could process it, the faster, you know, it's done with the task and gets onto the next one. So those are the kind of the three main components that are measured in. And I just got to be honest with you, even the slowest computer in the market today is fast enough for the average user that just uses it for checking their bank statements, emails, um, social media, unless you're a gamer. So gamers, they do need, or, I mean, there's developers, there's AutoCAD, there's uh, there's other um, very resource-intense software that requires fast CPUs and a lot of RAM, and then also the GPU, which that's another thing that I didn't, used to look into that before because I've never really been a gamer but I do do some work that requires like for example I used to do AutoCAD sometimes and that for the rendering that does require a lot of power. Computer security. Everything in the internet is tracked by what's called an IP address and the IP address there are public IP addresses and there are private IP addresses. When you go out into the internet, every household has one, at least one public IP addresses. And for the, I'm, I'm going to be speaking in the terms of the majority of everyday consumers. I know some people have home businesses. You, you buy what's called a static IP, but that's more advanced. So we just go with what's called a dynamic IP address, which that is... When you connect to the internet, your internet service provider, the company that you pay to connect to the internet, maybe it's Spectrum, maybe it's AT&T, Frontier, um, whatever, who, whoever you're, whoever you pay to get to the internet, that is your internet service provider. And when you connect, they give you what's called a modem. So the modem is what translates the what, what translates their signal into into a signal that your computers could could understand so that's like a little translator and what it does is it gives you one IP address and then most people have a router and nowadays most internet service providers combine the modem and the router so you could have a single unit, a single device that is both that is both a modem and a router. So what that does is think of it as a power strip that you connect one power and then you have like six six different plugs that you could outlets that you could plug in um, multiple devices. Well, that's the way the modem slash router works. Well, the router takes that one IP address, that one public IP address, and it splits it up. It could split it up into about like 254, probably around like, let's say 250 devices could go out through that one, through that one modem, through that one router, I mean. You could split it up even more by doing um, more advanced um, slicing and 
subnetting and so that's a different that's more advanced which i'm not going to cover in this podcast so let's take my house for example i have I have five kids. I mean, there's five of us in my wife and three kids. We each have our own desktop or laptop. So that's five. And then we have our phones. That's another five. And so then we have, you know, uh, the Roku, the smart TV. There's all these devices that all go out through the same. They go out through the same router which is the same modem. So we all, in the in the public, we all have the same IP address. So when I go to a website, the website, if it tracks, if it captures my IP address, it'll be the same one, the same IP address that it captures whether I go to it or one of my kids go to it or my wife. Anybody within this household that goes out through that router in the public is going to have the same IP address. Internally, it, there's many ways that you could split it up and you could uh, really, you could split it up a lot. That's one of the main components in networking in the internet is the IP address. In addition to IP addresses, there are ports and there are over 65,000 ports in the IP address. So, we have one IP address and with one public IP address and there are 65,000 ports and think of ports as windows. So if you're going to think of an IP address, think of it as a house. Like if you see a house that that house is going out to the internet and it has one IP address, all the, all, all the computers, all the devices inside that, Inside that house, they're all going to go out through the same IP address. So that's the same address. And now, the IP address, the house, has a lot of windows. So think of ports as windows. And every window is a possible vulnerability, is a way that someone could get into, into your house or someone could get into your network your internal, your LAN, your local area network. So let's take the simplest scenario, which is you have the combo modem router. So you have the modem slash router. And so it has one IP address and they usually block by default all the ports. So this way people cannot get in. So the windows, just think of them as if they have like the bars or like, you know, they're secured. But every so often, let's say, um, I'll take one of my kids as an example. He set up a, a, a server in, in, in the house for, um, so that his cousins could connect to him for gaming. And in order for the cousins to be able to get in, we need to open up a window. And so then we do what's called um, port forwarding. There's different ways you could um, do um, allow access, but I'm just going to go through the scenarios 
I know some people, oh, you could also do a gnat. There's different things, but I'm just going to go in the simplest, simplest terms. So when you open up a window, as you know, there's vulnerabilities. But sometimes you need to have those windows open for specific purposes. I set up a, a voice over IP server here at my house also. So in order, in order for calls to come in, I had to open up a port and say, okay, if any calls come in, and actually a range of ports. So I said, if any, if any requests for ports A through B come in, forward them directly to this internal server IP address. So there's a public IP address and the private IP address. So that's how the ports are used. And that's why the ports are used. Sometimes you need to open up ports to allow traffic in. And like I said, you open up vulnerabilities. But that's why you need to be secure. What you can do, so what I did was I whitelist IP addresses, which means um, I grant access to specific source IP addresses. So in my example with the, with the phone server that I set up here, I know who my phone company is. I went through my, through, it's not a traditional phone company like um, Verizon, AT&T. It's a, a no name. Oh, actually, I'll give them a shout out, mminternet.com. Um, they are the company that I went through to provide me voice over IP service. So when if you were to call my home number, the phone number actually goes first to MM Internet, and then MM Internet knows, okay, this is Javier's home number. Let me forward the call over to his IP address. So now I know the server, the IP address of the server that's going to forward me the calls. So on my on my firewall rules, I put, okay, if requests for these ports come from this IP address, go ahead and let them in. And so that's how you are able to secure. And that's the, the function of a firewall. Because the routers, I didn't say this earlier, but the routers, they have a firewall, which is the firewall. That, that's what you call the technology that blocks the, that blocks the ports, that blocks traffic, that helps um, secure your internal your internal um, network. So I'm going to compare a computer to a human. So the computer has a power supply, which I consider that like the human heart has memory. The computer has memory. That's the brain. The computer takes input. That's your senses, your sight, your sound, your smell, all your senses, touch, all of that. All of that is input. Your experiences, all of that is input. Then it gets processed. It goes through processing, which once again, it goes to your brain, a, se a separate part of your brain, the processing part of your brain. And then the computer does an output, which in the human world is your actions. 
how you process that information and the choices you make, those are your actions. That's the output. That is how I compare a computer to a human. Sometimes people just say, oh, look, this is my friend. He works in computers or, oh, oh what do you do for a living? Oh, I work it. I work in IT or like, oh, he knows computers. Oh, he understands computers, but it's computers is like a very, very wide industry. It's like saying like, oh, he works in cars. What does he do? Oh, he works in the car industry. You know, he could be like washing cars, you know, changing tires. Um, it could be giving tune-ups, smog check, rebuilding engines, tinting windows, installing radios, painting them, custom paint. I mean, if somebody says, oh, he works with cars, like, to what degree, to what, it's just, it's so vague, which is the same thing as, oh, he works in computers, oh, he works in IT, oh, he works in automotive, you know, and you could say that about just about any other big industry but it's just that I just wanted to point that out that when somebody says oh they work in computers it's like it's it's very wide could be data entry it could be I guess anybody could be saying that they work in computers If you like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review. It really means a lot and would really help out this podcast. We invite you to visit us at loscompaslounge.com to share your ideas and suggest topics for future episodes. Until next time, compas, be proud and be brown. That's right. Be safe. Until next time. <laughs>